Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, inspiring your faith and pioneer roots with old-fashioned skill sets and wisdom in a modern world. This is episode number 111, and we are diving into the world of ancient grains, specifically the ancient grain einkorn. Many of you have probably heard of ancient grains and the mention of einkorn before. Some of you may already know the awesomeness of einkorn and may be using it. But for many of you, einkorn is something that you've heard about, but you don't really know that much about it. Or you don't really have that much personal experience baking with it. Many of you know I shared about having food testing done and discovering that I'm sensitive to gluten in modern wheat, but I am able to have ancient grains without any type of problem. Since discovering that for sure with having the food testing done, and I'm not celiac, I just have some gluten sensitivities to the modern wheat, but the difference between ancient grains and modern wheat, there's many differences, but one of the main things is the ancient grains have a higher level of protein but they have a lower level of gluten. And in the case of einkorn, which you're going to discover when we really get into it, einkorn actually has a different type of gluten even than our modern wheat. So for those people who are like me who just have gluten sensitivities, ancient grains can be the answer to our diet and still being able to use grains and make things for everybody in our family that we can all enjoy because many times not everybody in the family has the same food sensitivities. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I'm the only one that seems to have it in my family. So this way I don't have to try and purchase a whole bunch of different flours and create different foods and meals for myself compared to everybody in the family, I can just go ahead and convert all of our recipes over to the ancient grains. And I had already been using spelt. I've used spelt primarily for going on like four or five years now. But einkorn is the most primitive ancient grain that we know of. And we're gonna be talking a lot more about the history of ancient grains, what actually makes an ancient grain. And then specifically with einkorn, because now we've got the benefit of science to really look at all of the different foods that we have. And some pretty interesting things show up when you look at the ancient grain einkorn in comparison to our modern wheat. And you know, in the show notes, which you can find at melissaknorris.com, click on that podcast button. And this is episode number 111. We have got from one of my guests, Julie, today. She has given us six of her einkorn-specific recipes in an e-recipe booklet. So you can go there and you can download that for free so that you can get those einkorn recipes. And the first part of the episode, we really start to talk about the what einkorn is, what ancient grains are, what makes them different, and then specifically with einkorn, the health benefits that you get from einkorn that you don't get from other types of wheat. And then we dive into baking and cooking with einkorn because it's very different than using regular all-purpose flour. And it's even different than using the ancient grain spelt. There are some things that are gonna carry over if you're familiar with using spelt, but if you've not ever baked or cooked with ancient grains, there is a really steep learning curve. And so these tips and guidelines that we share in the latter half of the episode are really going to help you out. And I'm really excited to say that today's episode is sponsored by Einkorn.com. And they have a special coupon that you can get. It 
It expires June 30th, 2017, but you can get free shipping on Einkorn Berries. So you can go to the show notes on this episode and get the links and the coupon code to grab that. And that's one of the cool things is because a lot of times as we start to look at improving our health and looking at some of these more primitive and ancient or specialized, for lack of a better word, foods, I can't find Einkorn anywhere in my area. I'm talking even driving an hour. I don't find Einkorn on the store shelves. And so for me, the only option is to order it online. And I'm really glad that more and more people are beginning to find out about Einkorn and it's making a resurgence back in to our modern food system. But if you guys are like me, many of you have probably not even seen it on the store shelves or when you've been actively looking and searching for it, you've had a harder time finding it. So we're going to help you out today with some free shipping on those einkorn wheat berries. I can't wait to introduce you and to get in today's episode. So welcome. We have with us Julie and Jade from einkorn.com. treats. I have brought in some experts and I'm really excited because they are also a family farm to talk about einkorn and specifically einkorn using it with baking, its history, which is really interesting. And so I'm really excited. I want to introduce you guys to Jade and Julie from einkorn.com. Hello. Hi. Hey guys. I'm so excited to have you here. So for those of the listeners who are just listening in and maybe they're not quite sure, what exactly does the term, why is einkorn considered an ancient grain and what does that actually mean in comparison to our modern wheat or our modern grains? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit about that. Einkorn is a, is a German word, obviously, um, and it means single grain. Um, and it's, it's referring to the, if you if you've seen you know wheat in the field as it's maturing, it kind of has a square shape to it because there, there are two seeds on each side that give it kind of that square shape. Well, einkorn is a very flat head of grain, and and that's because it just has one seed on each side. So ein means one grain, single grain, referring to the the head of grain, which is more similar to a grass. If you see like grass that's seeding out, it looks very similar, but einkorn's larger, of course. Einkorn is the original form of wheat, the most primitive form of wheat that we know of on Earth, in that it seems to be the closest to grass. And that's identified based on the all these fancy words that these people use. But taxonomy of, of wheat, if you research that, you go back to a, a diploid species. And diploid is what would be 14 chromosomes. So it's two sets and a set A and set A of the chromosomes that form together to make 14, where modern wheat is 42 chromosomes. And so it has naturally, wheat, modern wheat has naturally hybridized over time to become what it is today. Um, the same with spelt. Spelt is actually um, not, uh, you know, it has hybridized to become what it is today. And that's why spelt, you know, is not as similar to grass as einkorn is, but at the same time, spelled is still considered an ancient wheat. So einkorn would be the older of the two, if that makes sense. But more people are obviously familiar with spelled. And um, it makes it brings with it a lot of different properties that make einkorn a very interesting grain. They, they found a man who was buried in an ice 
cave or it, in, a glacier. That's the word I was looking for. A glacier in the Alps. And they dated him to 5,000 years. He had einkorn on him. Like it was in his uh, coat and they found it in his digestive tract. And so they've dated it to that point. But they found it on the ocean floor related to settlements that date around the same time. There are a lot of different historical aspects to einkorn that make it even maybe a little bit confusing because the true records, obviously, we don't have other than what we find at these uh, archaeological sites. But when you look at it, genetically speaking and taxonomically, you can see the history of it there in its primitive nature. Yeah, I, I think that's fascinating. So basically, when we're talking, you know, because people tend to kind of use the terminology ancient grains and, you know, covering, you know, emmer and spelt and einkorn and all of those. But if you're really looking at it, einkorn is kind of like the granddaddy, like the ancient, ancient of grains. It's the first one as far as, you know, the chromosomes yes. and then everything else is kind of, you know, hybridized throughout the ages and the centuries there, including spelt. But einkorn is in its most original form of all the wheat that we have available to us today. That's right. And it would have, you know, there are different theories out there from people. The ancestor of modern wheat is probably emmer. Mm -hmm. And there is a debate about whether einkorn is the ancestor of modern wheat. And, or if they both had a similar ancestor that they came from. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, the, the debate is, is still out there. But we classify all the grains together as hold wheats. Hold wheats. So hold wheats would include einkorn, emmer, spelt, are uh, naturally free-threshing, unhold wheats, versions of these that have naturally hybridized, and some of them have been um, developed over time with, with breeding programs. But uh, no, to my knowledge, there's not a form of einkorn that's just in the market out there. there. There are about 300 different types of einkorn that have been identified by the National Seed Bank. And about 10 of those are commercially available throughout the world, 10 different varieties. Wow. And I'm really curious. So how did you guys, because you're obviously very well versed in einkorn and stuff. So how did you guys get into einkorn or discovering or deciding to grow einkorn? What's kind of your, your story on how you stumbled upon and how you came into the einkorn? Yeah. Well, so Julie and I tag team different parts of this. And she's obviously much better at the parts that she does. And, and this one, we actually have a joint friend, family, friends that we, we spent a lot of time with and a husband in that family. And I were watching a performance of our kids together. They were in like this choir thing or something. And we were just talking one day and, and he brought this up that he was researching this and he was getting his PhD at the university there. And, and uh, he came across this and I was really fascinated with it. Because I grew up on a farm uh, here in Idaho and just loved the farm lifestyle and what it brought. And we were living in Provo, Utah at the time. The city, the big city, I know it's not as big as many cities, but for us, it was the city. Julie and I, Julie's from, uh, from uh, this area that we're in here now, Teton, Idaho. We're both from Idaho and looking for ways to get back. For me, it was, you know, very interesting because I, I had kind of kept my eyes open for something that I could do that eventually would lead to a way to bring our family to do some farming together and, and for it to be a unique and different sort of a project. Along the way, you know, we live in what we would call a large city at that point. And so, you know, we try to do a little garden, sometimes 
the deer, which indicates it wasn't as big of a city as we thought. <laughs> but, yeah. but um, so, you know, sometimes we got some food, sometimes we didn't. But we we're always kind of trying to get back to a more holistic life. It became kind of a hobby for us to see how clean we could get our food and have it still be amazing taste-wise. And I don't think we're alone. I think a lot of people share that that quest, that goal. I, we started seeking relationships between eating and behavior in children, between um, just overall health, ability to focus, a lot of things like that. And we just kind of, th- these, these worlds didn't necessarily merge because we weren't sure what Einkorn was at that point. Does that make sense? But we were already on this journey where we wanted to get our eating as clean as we could. I have always ground wheat and made our bread, right? Ever since we were first married, yeah. we had a bread machine. Jade has this friend approach him and they start talking about this and we start looking into the health benefits of it. And it was already something that was really important to us. And so Einkorn was completely new. It was not available commercially on the market. Uh, in fact, I went home that weekend and started researching it. We just started blogging, you know, talking about it. And we were contacted by people from all over the world. And we did this jointly as a couple, uh, this other couple and us, and we, we kind of just did it for fun, you know. And and we started blogging, people contacting us from all over. There were researchers, people from universities, and, and health food enthusiasts as well. Started searching and trying to find a source for the einkorn so that we could begin trying it ourselves. We were obviously curious, and we thought it'd be natural to make it available if we could. Anyway, so we, we were able to identify um, a source out of Germany, and the farmer, he didn't speak English. It was a very nice farmer, able to begin correspondence with him through his sister, who did speak English, and she helped us to uh, facilitate a transaction there, and kind of, long story short, we were able to get some seed miraculously from that, and ha- have it tested by the National Seed Bank, and then Along the way, we've also been able to get a farmer in Canada who grows for us. These two together, we've been able to get more and more um, of the supply available. At that point, we weren't able to offer very much einkorn, and we did it literally out of our basement. We were looking for a way to relocate up to Idaho. We were able to do that in 2012, buy the farmland about 50 acres nearby us here. We grow it here on our farm. To a small degree, we're slowly transitioning our farm over to organic. None of the, the products that customers buy from us comes from our farm yet. It's all coming from farmers who, organic farmers who we know and trust and contract to grow for us. For us, we realize iron corn is also out of the reach of a lot of people because it's not available in a lot of stores. Nowadays, you can find it um, in some stores, but we're trying to make it more and more available in stores. But most of our customers are just buying it through our website. Yeah, you know, it really, because I I live really rurally, but even driving, you know, an hour away to the bigger stores, einkorn isn't something that I find in the store shelves. I can usually find spelt at our local co-op, even in like kind of the health food, like we have a Fred Meyers, and they have a, a good bulk food section, and they've got kind of, you know, an organic healthy section. But even there, I you know, you don't find spelt. Finding wheat berries alone can be kind of odd, but even trying to find yeah. spelt, let alone einkorn, is not something I think even in, I would say even in the past couple of years that einkorn, the ancient grains in general, and especially einkorn is really starting to hit kind of the, the public and awareness of it and even what it is and why you would want it. With the einkorn, 
nutritional and health wise, I would love to talk a little bit about that with the ancient grains and einkorn specifically on, you know, what's the benefit to using an einkorn wheat berry or einkorn flour compared to just going and getting a regular, you know, wheat berry from the store if you're grinding it yourself or just purchasing a whole wheat flour. Well, let me first say that einkorn is, is like any other form of wheat. The, the more, the closer you can consume it to when it is milled, the better it's going to be for you. If you make sourdough bread with it, it's going to be better for you. But we feel that einkorn is the best wheat available. And that's all we eat as a family. About, I don't know, was it four years ago we transitioned to only einkorn? Yeah. And we do it for the health benefits uh, of einkorn. Einkorn is higher in protein, but yet it contains a totally different type of gluten compared to modern wheat. It doesn't contain the D chromosome, which is used to detect the presence of gluten in modern wheat in, in gluten-free facilities. So... It's just a totally different type of, of gluten. And with the higher protein profile and higher in um, antioxidants, high in riboflavin, high in um, lutein, which is really good for the eyes, it has less phytic acid. And phytic acid is a natural part of nature that you have to break down and, and in order to be able to get nutrients out of food. Phytic acid is really an inhibitant to nutrient absorption. And einkorn contains about half as much phytic acid as modern wheat. This was found by a research facility up in uh, Michigan that found this in their studies of it. Einkorn is very interesting from a nutritional standpoint. It is lower yielding, you know, from compared to the other crops. You're, you're talking about several things that, that it has to be de-holed and it has to, it has a lower yield overall. And, and those factors are, are the cons of einkorn, obviously contributing to the cost of it. But from a health standpoint, just that if not everybody is familiar with the gluten issue, it really is easier in a digestive tract to not have it or to not have as much or that type, whatever. And although we wouldn't make a, like we wouldn't ever make any kind of a blanket claim, you know, we do find a lot of people commenting on our website that are, uh, that either have gluten sensitivities or they have celiacs that say, this is just life changing for me. I can't believe I can actually have bread. I can't, I can have grain. And so, I mean, we're not talking just a few people. We're talking a lot of people. Not suggesting that there's not anyone out there who would react, but it's definitely worth a try if someone feels like they're just missing. You know, yeah, we always recommend they do that through their doctor if they're under the care of a physician for that. But from our standpoint, it's it's very attractive from a digestive. I mean, just for example, like with a, if you put yeast to it, you can speak to this better than I can. But yeast in it or run a sourdough start through it it uses it up a yeah. lot faster yeah it's it, interesting i mean it makes sense because if it's easier on your body to digest then it's also easier for the yeast or the sourdough start to ferment as well it's the same principle and there's a learning curve there was a learning curve for me and i was already doing sourdough but with the einkorn, because I, I did do some bread baking, and I'm really familiar with using fresh ground flour because I mill my own flour from wheat berries, which that you have to handle differently than store-bought flour, too. Yeah. So, yeah, otherwise it turns out to be this rock-hard, dense mess. But <laughs> So I was kind of familiar already with adjusting liquids, and then I've used spelt a lot. Not exclusively, but I've used spelt for probably the past four years, at least 50% of the time that I'm baking, if not higher. And so with the spelt, I've also noticed having to adjust the, the liquid and using less liquid because it absorbs it so much. It seems to have a higher absorption rate. So with the einkorn, 
Is there a difference when you're taking, you know, like a regular recipe with all, you know, that you're used to using like all-purpose flour or whatever, and you're adjusting this to using einkorn, is there a liquid ratio that you need to be aware of? Yeah, there is. You kind of have to, I mean, I haven't tried every recipe there is. But what I've noticed is that if you start with half the liquid, mm-hmm. and you might add more. And if, it helps if you are familiar with whatever recipe you're using. So you can kind of see what the consistency needs to be. That's where I start. Because if I've started with the full amount of liquid, because normally, you know, when you're baking, you know, whatever, you'll add liquid first, right? You'll add, you'll add, you know, when you're making quick breads or whatever, you'll do your liquid first and then you'll add your dry. And if you've already added all the liquid, you end up having to add so much einkorn that it makes the sugar or the salt ratio or the baking soda or powder ratio just off. It's best to decrease that and know that when you go out. And then if you need to add a little more, you can. The other thing is I sometimes add an extra egg. I know that that's backwards because you're adding a little more liquid, but it helps to hold things together because we are lacking the, the gluten that makes it really... Right, it's the binder. It's the elasticity of it. <laughs> so with the gluten... Yeah, so with the gluten, because there is still gluten in it, but it's a lower amount of gluten and it's a different type. Totally different, yeah. Of gluten. I'm just curious to see if this carries over with the einkorn as it has with spelt for me with that more fragile gluten strand because it's so less. I have found that you cannot knead it like you do regular all-purpose flour or it seems to destroy the gluten. So I've found that a much shorter kneading time with the spelt anyways that I've had that that has produced a better lighter loaf for me overall. Do you find that to be true with the einkorn or or not? Well, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure if I've actually timed. I watch. That's all I do. I, I add flour until it looks right and then I stop. So probably that that's probably what you're saying. And it's true that when I used to make wheat, you know, wheat bread, I used to turn it on. I I use a Bosch. I used to leave it and let it knead for between 10 and 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't do that. Okay. I can't do that anymore. The one thing, the other thing with einkorn is that it, it continues to absorb mm-hmm. the liquid. And so you think, oh, this is too wet, but just give it a minute. I've noticed the same thing with fresh ground flour. We you know when you're grinding it from the wheat berries too, but also with the spelt. So usually what I'll do is I'll mix everything in and then I let it set for about 10 or 15 minutes even. And then I come back before adding any additional flour. And almost always, I don't need to add any more flour. I mean, very rarely do I need to add any more. But yeah, it just yeah. takes it longer to absorb that yep. liquid. But it does absorb it. So yeah, I've noticed that too. That is what I would recommend. Start with half of the liquid and then wait. And then, you know, adjust accordingly after that. Because it does take a while too. A little bit uh, longer. One thing to remember when you're baking with einkorn is that it is stickier. It's a lot stickier. Okay. And not be afraid of that exactly because if you keep adding flour until it's no longer sticky and it feels just like your whole wheat, you're never going to get there. No. And you'll add so much flour and you'll just be ready to curse it. <laughs> so I... That's one thing that it, I had to just wrap my head around, that it is going to feel stickier. Um, so I just, I add flour until it's cleaning the sides of my bowl, just like you would, but it's still going to be stickier to the touch. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. And, and one thing then, I found, it, it seems to me with the little experience I've had with the einkorn in comparison to the spelt, spelt is that way too. 
Um, and so I don't know about you, but if I need to handle it, like if I need to form it into a loaf or I need to do something like that is I just put a really light layer of olive oil on my hands and yep. then, and then go about touching it or doing whatever I need to do to form a loaf instead of just trying. Yeah. Other, yeah. Otherwise it's a big, yeah. Yep. I totally, I totally, um, paint coconut oil on my countertop. So the same thing. Yeah. All oil would work great too, but yeah, just something to kind of give it, it, it's totally manageable when you do that, but if not, it's very frustrating. So yes, I completely agree. I'm really glad that you brought that point up. Yes. That's important to know. Yeah. It's going to be sticky. It's meant to be that way and just deal with the mess. No, <laughs> deal with the stickiness. there are ways to remove it. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and I wanted to touch back to on the addition of the yeast or if you're using natural yeast in the form of sourdough starter fermenting wise, because I was using some einkorn, I got some einkorn wheat berries and I ground them up into flour and was adjusting my spelt bread recipe. And I got the, the ratio as far as the flour and the water liquids to it right, but I did not take into account the different rise time. My loaves turned out very flat and sunken. I mean, they tasted great. Texture was great, but them babies was flat on top. They totally fell in. Is, do you kind of have a rule of thumb on like half the amount of rise time as you would normally ex expect? I mean, I know to go by the eye, of course, and watch it, but do you kind of have a rule of thumb there on adjusting when you're using yeast? Yeah, obviously I would always err on the side of check too soon instead of too late. So I would, I would start with half. And, you know, there's so many factors. You're temperature in your home, right? There's just a lot of, whether it's a cloudy day or it's not, there's just, there's a lot of things that affect the yeast as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Unfortunately, is not a perfect formula that we can give an audience that would say this will work for you every time because everyone, everyone's circumstances are so different, but I would definitely check. I would start checking half before, but yeah, that's a frustrating thing. I mean, the loaf still tastes good, but once you've gone too far, then there's no going back, right? <laughs> it's going to happen a lot faster. You know, for example, if you feed the, when you put the yeast in the time before the yeast is ready or the rise time, all of that's going to be a lot faster than what you're used to. So, and I will admit, I actually don't cook with yeast, with, with a commercial yeast, like a, an instant yeast. Mm -hmm. I cook with sourdough. I make it when I, and I don't know how, what your audience you know, if most of them are doing sourdough or what, but I'll just say this in case some of them are and want to use einkorn that I make the einkorn start as when I feed the start the night before, I make it thick, really, really thick so that it takes longer to get through it. Otherwise, I need to wake up at three and, feed, and make my bread and I'm not doing that. <laughs> when you're making the sponge the night before you're feeding it, you do it on yes. the really thick side. Don't do it watery. Okay. And that makes yeah. sense because it's going through it faster. I tend to keep my sourdough starter. It's not einkorn, it's with spelt. I tend to keep it on the thicker side anyways, just so that I don't have to add, you know, as much water and, and everything that I just kind of naturally have got it that way. But that's a good tip. And I, I do both. I, I do both um, regular sourdough and then I do still use some commercial yeast. It just totally depends on what it is I'm making. I really like sourdough. My kids are not as... Yeah. Um, a big of fans for the sourdough and the tang. And so I've kind of learned that if I want them to eat it, which of course I do because I want them to eat, you know, the healthier products and stuff, but that I have to make it so that they actually enjoy it. <laughs> or I learned the hard way. My son was throwing his sandwiches away at school because he didn't like the bread. <laughs> like, okay, I can either do the traditional sourdough and my kid can go hungry, right. all of that work away, or I can use some regular yeast for their 
loaves of bread and we'll just call it good. So we're le- we learned to compromise. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, that's very, very nice of you. I think what happened to our kids is that we made such terrible bread while we were learning. <laughs> so many bricks, loaves of brick, <laughs> that by the time we figured out the sourdough, they were pretty excited about the fluffiness of it. And I've never had a complaint. Although if if occasionally a loaf of store-bought bread waltzes into the house, I'm not going to lie. The six-year-old is pretty excited, but it's a very rare occurrence. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. We occasionally, you know, especially if we're, you know, out traveling or what at home, it's pretty much homemade and from scratch. But occasionally if we're on, you know, vacation or they're at somewhere else's house, oh my goodness. And if they see, which just kills me, but I'm like, okay, whatever. If they see a box of like store-bought donuts, like the nasty ones, they are so excited. Well, they never get it. So I'm like, okay, you know, I go on that 80-20 rule. It's a 95% of the time thing, right? Yeah. Like every now and then. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. I love it. As far as for someone who has never tried einkorn, which is going to be a, you know, we're talking kind of all of, you know, Western society as a whole. A lot of people have never tried einkorn. A lot of people have actually even never tried spelt. You know, they're used to cooking with regular, just all purpose flour or maybe whole wheat from the store. Do you notice a bit of a flavor profile difference? Like, do you think it tastes nuttier or do you notice much of a, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Like, I mean, if we're going from Wonder Bread to this, it is stark, right? The difference. I think it's a very positive difference myself. If you're going from whole wheat to this, it's less of a variation, right? But it's definitely, I think, a nuttier. It, nutty is a good adjective, I think, to use for it. A lot, a lot of people describe it as that's kind of a nutty taste. And we have a lot of customers, that's the primary reason they eat einkorn is because of how it tastes. Julie does some really fun things with it that are outside of bread. I mean, she does a lot of fun treats. And one, one of my favorite things she does is she pops it and uses it. And then I don't know what you put on it, but put it on like a salad and make yeah. it. Yeah, you can just, I use coconut oil and you just, it's tricky because you want to make sure that you pop it, don't burn it. And the line there is really thin. But you can play with it. And I think we have directions for that on our website. But it's really yummy if you pop it in a little coconut oil and then put a little salt and garlic on it. It's really good on a salad. It is. So, okay. So, so is it like popcorn? What do you mean? Like, you got, I, I'm not familiar with this. Yeah. So y'all got to fill me in here. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously not going to get that big, but it's just, it all, it opens up a little. It's hard to see. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see the difference. But you can hear it when they're and popping. You can hear it, but it's not loud like popcorn. It, it, you have to really be standing there, and it's just these little pops. So it's almost reminds me of the old Rice Krispie commercials. Yeah. Just these it, little little pops. So then is it chewier then? I mean, or softer? Kind of like, you know, when popcorn's popped, it's a softer. Yeah. It, it's, a little, it's, it's crispy, not hard. Okay. Crispy. They're really good, and, and, and they're, not, they're not hard. It works really well on a salad. Mm-hmm. Einkorn is kind of a soft grain in the first place. When uh, when we work with we work with uh, you know we have large mills that buy from us and whatnot that are familiar with a lot of different profiles of grain and and they're not even sure what to call it. Is it is a hard wheat or a soft wheat? For some reason it, it pops really well and so the product afterward is is pretty light. It's kind of it's obviously crunchy but it's not hard. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. It's not like so. you're chomping on a hard wheat berry or you know kernel of yeah where it's exactly. Like Oh, that's very fascinating. And I'll put that in in the show notes for all the listeners too. We'll link to the tutorials if anybody wants to try that or see how that's done. 
they can check that out. And then it seems like the einkorn seems to bake up, especially the all-purpose einkorn flour, a little bit lighter color than just straight like red hard wheat or even white hard wheat. I've noticed that as far as color wise, it looks a little bit more like a regular all-purpose white flour than it does a whole wheat. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to watch that also because you think this isn't done. This isn't done. This isn't done. Oh, this is burnt. Einkorn, I think, cooks faster. And and maybe just because there's not as much water in it. And it depends Mm -hmm. on how dense it is, whatever you're cooking. I don't know. I'm actually not sure I... Like cook, cookies, it seems like sometimes we'll burn our cookies faster, but like cakes, yeah, if are it's, different. it's possible that if it's a batter, it seems to take a little longer, thicker. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm not actually sure. I don't think I figured that out yet. I just watch it really closely because there was a long time when I would Google einkorn recipes and mine were the only ones that came up. It's not that way anymore, but I really feel like we've had to really pioneer this this thing and so I'm, we're still working on it is what i'm saying but we have certain recipes where we know how long they take it's just when yeah. you take a new recipe and yeah. adapt it yes the, the cook time is is a variable you've got to watch yeah and, yeah, yeah ovens are different and i've noticed too especially yeah. with milling fresh ground flour yeah that it seems that even different bags even though i'm getting it you know I'm, I'm assuming it's a different crop you know things and you know when they were harvested in different conditions yeah. that even that you you can go by the guidelines, but you still have to definitely go by the feel and the look and the touch of it for that every time that you bake it in that that final product. And you kind of have to ha- have that little bit of wiggle room in there and go by that. The recipe is the guideline, right? But then you have to yeah. use that to get the, uh, yeah, I've noticed, especially with the fresh, fresh milk flour, a lot more variance in there and that it there's really no substitute for that like you said the watching it and the eye and it just kind of how it feels and how it looks and that you just get with the experience of using it and baking it and going through it the other variable is how fine your grind is because when we grind it ourselves but the wheat grinder is adjustable you know our we have a stone grinder that's adjustable and the the flour that is as fine as it gets that feels like powdered sugar acts totally different than a little bit coarser grind. And in case anyone grinds their own flour, I actually prefer a slightly coarser grind on this. So you'd think, oh, the finer the better, but I actually think it works a little better to have a little bit coarser grind. You know, say I'm doing like a, a yellow birthday cake that's not mm-hmm. going to have, you know, cocoa and all that other stuff in there. I usually will just sift that then to mm-hmm. kind of get the, I'll still kind of do a little slightly coarser grind but then I usually will just yeah. go ahead and sift through it. And that yeah. usually gives a really good end result. Yeah, I for I found that for bread mm-hmm. and tortillas, the coarser grind is really nice. But in the finer grind, the tortillas just fall apart. They they seem to just not, I can't roll them as well, use them for wraps or burritos or whatever. They're just not quite as sturdy. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I found like for muffins, not necessarily like cupcakes, like more pastry. I do prefer it finer and I'll sift it. But for even like muffins, I like a little bit coarser grind if I'm doing a muffin. It just feels a little bit hardier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Einkorn makes really good tortillas. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Einkorn tortillas are incredible. And and Julie does a few different things. She does a, a, an Einkorn keeper bread and she'll do like a flat, a flat bread out of it. And then the other thing is crackers. It's kind of the same, just taking it further and, and seasoning it a little bit. 
they don't last they don't last very long yeah i know people always ask me i have a cracker recipe up and they're like how long do these store and i'm like i honestly don't know because they're gone <laughs> within like i usually have to make two batches the first one's gone before the second one even hits the oven <laughs> yeah julie has provided us i'm super excited about this is some free recipes so you guys can go to the show notes to today and download that and get some einkorn specific recipes. And then you guys actually offer two things. You've got the actual wheat berries. So if you're going to mill your own flour up, then you've got that. Or if you wanted to do the popping route, which I have got to try that, then there's that option. But then you also, for people who don't have a flour mill yet, you guys do have einkorn all purpose flour as well, correct? We do. Yes. You know, we always recommend that people mill their own. Uh, we're big advocates of that for a lot of reasons, but uh, the all-purpose flour is nice uh, if you don't have your own mill. Um, it's also some of the treats and things are better with an all-purpose. It's, it's, it would be like a, a white flour, but it's unbleached, it's untreated. It's an organic flour as well. Nothing's been added to it, but it, it's all-purpose flour stores really well, but so do the whole berries. And that's another advantage to milling it yourself is you can mill when you're ready for it. And then we'll be offering a freshly milled whole grain flour at some point here in the near future. We're still developing all that, but those are the two products right now that we offer, just the all-purpose and the whole grain. With the all-purpose, then have you guys, because for some people who might not really understand like the difference between a whole grain flour and the all-purpose flour. So with the all-purpose einkorn, do you want to explain a little bit the difference between the coming soon, which will be the whole grain flour and versus yes. the all-purpose that's available now? Yeah, the all-purpose, What we, we actually have to have another mill do it for us. It requires specialized equipment. And they send it through a roller first, and then they pull off the bran and the ash. The bran and the ash is the most, new and the germ, it's the new, most nutritious part of the, of the grain, the color. You know, the, right. the color is what they take off, and it makes a beautiful flower. That, that all-purpose flour is just beautiful in it and makes great cookies and cakes and things. But, you know, you have lost a lot of that nutrition. Right. So with the freshly milled, the freshly milled einkorn flour that we'll be offering, we literally mill it after the order is received. So we won't have any flour sitting there. We don't pull anything off. It's considered 100% extraction flour, whereas all-purpose flour is more like a 70% extraction, meaning 30% of the grain is is tossed. That uh, all-purpose flour compared to the freshly milled flour will be very different. It'll be more like if you just had your own home mill, and we understand some of our customers don't, which is why we're going to offer it. Yeah. And, you know, as quickly as possible, we're getting that over to you, mailed over to you. So all of our shipping, we, by the way, we everything we ship is a priority mail. If people have a P.O. box, we ship the P.O. boxes. Do you guys ship just to the United States? Do you ship, you know, overseas or to other countries or how, how does that Yeah, happen? from our website, you can only order to the United States and Canada. Okay. But we do ship to people. We, Shipped to to um, New Zealand, uh, Japan, Thailand, the UK, uh, Mexico, uh, Brazil. So we've we've shipped all over the world, and we can do that. We but we just have to work up a special quote based on the shipping and the circumstances. Thank you guys for coming on. Well, thank you. We're we're glad. We we hope that uh, one day you can report back that your kids are eating their einkorn bread. Don't, <laughs> don't throw their sandwiches away. Yeah, the einkorn sour. They will do it without sourdough. <laughs> That would, be a, that would be a new landmark. It will. And I'm, yeah. No, you, you just put it out there. Now I'm like, okay, I got to get this. Psalm 14310. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. 
May your good spirit lead me on level ground. And I chose this verse because I need the good spirit. I need the Lord. I need Jesus to lead me in everything that I do. All of the choices that I make, be it from searching out better foods to feed my family, our finances, or making decisions, big decisions, little decisions, all of that, I want to have the leading of the Holy Spirit and to be led on level ground. And I hope the same for you too. Don't forget, we've got those six free recipes that are einkorn flour recipes that you can grab for free over in the show notes, as well as a link to how to pop those einkorn grains. So you can pop those and experience that. And the coupon code, if you are interested in trying out the einkorn and you want to get some free shipping. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you guys and I read all of your reviews and I love getting your emails. And I just really want to thank you for taking some of your time because time is so precious to all of us and for spending it with me. I hope you have a fabulous day and I'll catch you on the next episode.